0: We are taught and instructed on the correct way to pray for our fellow believers. And what Paul gives us here is how you should pray for me and how I should pray for you. And we should expect results from these prayers. We're not just saying words. We're not just trying to repeat things over and over again in order to sound spiritual. But to look into this with great detail, notice in verse 7, he speaks of Epaphras. What we learned of Epaphras in chapter 4 was that this gentleman was always laboring in prayers on their behalf. So the first point that I like to make is that all of us are called to a ministry of prayer. You may not necessarily have a pulpit ministry. You may not have a singing ministry, but all of us have a ministry of prayer. It's incumbent upon you to pray for fellow believers, to stand in the gap, to intercede for them. And this is essentially what we call a prayer warrior, somebody who spends time in prayer. Now, who has time to pray? All of us should make time to pray. Some of us have more time than others to pray, but we should be fervent in our prayers. And notice what Epaphras is praying, that you might stand complete or mature And perfect in all the will of God. So there is a will of God that should be manifest to us. The will of God is manifest to us through his His word. And the way we stand or take our position in the will of God has everything to do with the kinds of victory or defeats we will incur. So as a prayer warrior then, someone hears about what's going on in someone's life and then they take the time to pray. Now, there was a time when some churches years ago used to have prayer rooms. So very often when the regular service was going on, there might be a couple of believers downstairs or back off in a room somewhere praying for the preacher, praying for the service that the hand of God would come down in that meeting and bless a whole lot of people. Nothing wrong with that. That's a wonderful thing. We don't ever need to get rid of prayer in our individual lives because prayer is what opens up the door for the supernatural and for miracles to take place. i told you before, the only reason we pray is to ask God to do what we're unable or incapable of doing for ourselves because there's no reason to pray to ask him to do what we're able to do. So nobody came in here this evening and just prayed and asked God to help the chair to support them. You just sat down on it and few people, Are going to get into their car tomorrow morning and pray that the thing starts unless they're having mechanical problems. But when it comes to this issue, prayer is absolutely important. Now, we know plenty of people who have made this their primary mission. And we all should have this. Maybe sometimes God wake you up in the middle of the night, instead of rolling over and tossing and turning, Maybe God's trying to get you up because he wants you to pray for someone like that old hymn or praise or chorus that we used to sing. That says, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And may I ever do my part to win that soul for thee. So the, the person who is a prayer warrior has committed themselves to laboring intensely on behalf of other believers. Now, these were Colossian saints. Epaphras probably knew things about their life that other people did not know. And there are things that you will know about your fellow believers with whom you worship that other people may not know. I certainly know things about people i pastored that other people don't know. So that helps me when I pray. But there are general prayers that you can pray for people. And this is what Paul gets into when he begins to minister beginning with verse 9. But just before I leave this whole prayer warrior thing, I want you to know that when you do pray, you can expect something to happen. Now, we go to Kenya all the time. We hear stories all the time, testimonies and things like that. There was a family, Matt and Lori Higgins, back in the 60s. They were missionaries in Kenya, and this was during a great rebellion that was taking place there, and a lot of Westerners were losing their lives. So these folks wanted to make their way from where they were at down to Nairobi to catch a flight, to get back to the States, to, to get away from a lot of this trouble. And they had to take this perilous journey from their village down these winding, meandering roads that lead into Nairobi. And these are the kinds of roads that even today people don't drive at night because there are robbers and thieves who will put big, huge boulders out in the middle of the road so that you you'll slow down when you come to them and then when you slow down then they come running out of the woods with guns and then they rob you so they are just some roads people don't travel even highways middle of the night well they came down one of these roads cuz they needed to get to Nairobi he had had some uh car trouble and he had to stop try to repair the car couldn't repair it in the dark there's no street lights on any of these roads It's pitch black and and so he and his wife essentially had to lock themselves in the car all night long, praying that they would be safe. Well, the Next morning, got up, sunrise, fixed the car, made their way to Nairobi, ended up making a few phone calls, talked to some people later on in the day and uh, found out that while they were sleeping in that vehicle, that there were three terrorists that had came to that car to rob it. I'm going to rob the people in the car, but they didn't. And when inquiry was made as to why these, these thieves did not rob them, they said when they approached the car, they saw 16 armed men standing around the car. So they ran away back off into the woods. Well, this couple made it back to the States and was sharing some of this. And a lady had spoke to her and told her that on March 23rd, that God had burdened her heart to pray for them over there and said the intensity of the burden was so great, she told a few other folks in the church, and 16 men gathered with her. They prayed. And there around that car, those thieves saw 16 armed people. So, folks, what I'm trying to tell you is that when you pray, believe that God answers prayer. You'll never know what's going on on the other side of the earth Unless we pray, some will find out about it in heaven. But also remember this, you'll never know who's praying for you. There are a lot of people praying for you and you may not even know they're praying for you. But one day you will. So Paul then tells us in verse number nine of Colossians chapter one, here's how we can pray for Christians. He says that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now think about that. To to be filled means to be bursting to the point of overflow. That's something that is full. But who would have ever thought that you could be bursting to overflow with the knowledge of his will? Well, the only way to increase your knowledge of his will is by reading the word of God. Genesis through Malachi reveals the mind of God the mind of God in his word reveals his will the only way you can accomplish his will in the earth you must allow this word to conquer you and when you allow the word to conquer you then the will of God is done in the earth so this is how we pray for one another father I pray that brother or sister so-and-so would be filled with the knowledge of your will you know what happens when you know the will of God? You're not confused. Yeah. The cure to ignorance is the will of God. Yeah. When when we're at, a, at an intersection and there are different ways we can go, we need to know which direction to take. And if you've ever been lost before, as I have, it's not a good feeling. No, it's not a good feeling. Sometimes you can take a road that you think is a shortcut. And then it may not necessarily work out the way it's supposed to. I had some friends of mine one time. They were taking a trip. They decided rather than taking all the highways and going away, the quick way that could, could have gone to Tulsa, they took some back roads. I mean, it took little small roads. I mean, by the time they got there, then they realized it would have been just as fast. We just went on and just took the main thoroughfare. Well, the knowledge of the will of God will protect us and preserve us sometimes from the kinds of decisions that might lead to an extra exertion of effort. Yeah, make it easier on us sometimes. The will of God. Okay, so he says bursting the overflow with knowledge of his will. There are several things in the Bible that we know is the will of God. One, the scripture says, God's not willing that any should perish. So don't you think it would be good to know that it's God's desire for your loved ones to be saved? Now, you may come in contact with people who will say something like this. Well, I just believe that God has sovereignly elected some from eternity past to go to heaven and others to go to hell. There are a whole lot of Calvinists in this world that believe that. But I come right back to what Peter said. God's not willing that any should perish. God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe. So I need to know that. Well, then also I, I need to know that, that James tells us that if there are any among you that are infirmed, call for the elders of the church, and the elders of the church will anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of fear, doubt, and unbelief. And if they've committed any sins, they'll never be forgiven. Does the Bible say that? Of course not. But there are a whole lot of people that don't know the will of God and think that's exactly what it means. The Bible says they'll anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith to believe so as a, as an elder in the body of Christ as a pastor in the body of Christ i understand that it is the will of god to bless people and to bring restoration so that's why we pray the way that we do if i'm laid up in a hospital i can assure you I want I want Sister Tina and several others to come in and lay hands on me and pray and believe God's going to make me whole. I don't want anybody to come in there and see me with a bunch of tubes going in and out of my body and then look at me and start crying and say, oh, God, take them home. Don't let them go through this. I mean, I've got a wife that wants me to come out of the hospital room and you're praying, Lord, take me home. No. Now, let's keep our language right, though. When an infant passes, or an elderly person passes, it is scriptural to say concerning a believer, the Lord received that person into glory. That doesn't make God the cause, that just means God, that just means God was right there saying, come on in, you belong to me, we're ready for you to come through the pearly gates. See, that's the correct way to see it. Not to say God caused it to happen, but He received them. When Peter Excuse me. Stephen in Acts chapter seven was stoned and died. You know, he said, Lord, don't lay this sin to their charge. And then with all those rocks pelting him, he died. The Lord had stood up on the, the at the throne there and Stephen saw him and said, I see the Lord standing up there appearing in glory. And I can tell you before that body hit the ground and immediately after he drew his last breath, the king of the military, the Lord of hosts, he was standing there to receive his soldier into glory. See, That's scriptural. That's scriptural. But let's be filled with the knowledge. Of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, the. The, uh, the description here of wisdom and spiritual understanding is given because you can have God's will, know God's will, but not be wise in how you teach it or apply it. Let me give you an illustration. You, you've probably heard of these people who believe so strongly that the Lord can do a miracle to help their kid, that they deny their kids medical attention and then somebody dies. See, that's happened over and over again. Well, well here's the thing with that. If you're an adult, nobody can make you do anything at all. However, you, you can't force your will and your belief upon a little kid who may not necessarily have the same beliefs or the same strength of beliefs. Understand? Understand? And this is why Paul said to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom, because we've had people in the body of Christ, even though I have no doubt they've been extremely sincere and love the Lord. They have imposed upon others something that has been detrimental, detrimental and spiritual understanding is the ability to recognize that even if I have the will of God, I shouldn't be prideful in it and I shouldn't be so dogmatic that I'm trying to hurt people. Spiritual understanding. There's the understanding that tells you how to, how to repair the engine of a car. There's understanding that lets us know how to do math and how to understand the syntax of English, of an English sentence. But then there's spiritual understanding that helps us to understand the difference between angels, devils, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of uh, the adversary, light, darkness, good, evil. That's the kind of understanding that's needed if we're going to have the will of God And have it manifested in our life. Paul knows this. And it's for this reason he goes on to say in verse 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. We don't want to be Christians who displease God. But we want our Christian life. Which is another way of describing the walk. We want our Christian life to be worthy of what Christ did to redeem us. He went through a lot. And so this is how we should pray for one another. We should pray like that. Father, I I pray that Loretta's life is strong enough and holy enough that she'll walk worthy of the calling that you've extended to her. That's the way to pray. Then we say, Lord, we pray that Kathy would be fruitful in every good work. Notice he doesn't say in every work, but every good work. Some, Some works aren't good. So we don't want somebody to be fruitful in something that's bad. We don't want to pray, Lord, help that man that says he's a Christian as he's out there selling drugs. Help them to be fruitful. No, no. Now, there was a preacher many years ago who pastored a very large church down in the south, had three or four thousand people in his church. And folks couldn't understand why the authorities came and arrested him during one of the Sunday services. And come to find out that the pastor in that particular area of town was the largest drug dealer. You hear me? The preacher. The largest drug dealer. And he used to be on television and, and, and everything. But here's what we're saying. We're not praying for someone to be fruitful in that kind of work. What's a good work? Anything that reflects the holiness and the character of God. That's a good work. So if you're engaged in something that certainly makes the kingdom look good, makes you look good in the sense that you're humble in the presence of the Lord, makes the church look good, then we want you to be fruitful in that endeavor. Because the kingdom grows and expands on the basis of what we are able to do. So we pray that God prospers you as an individual and as a family. Because as God prospers you, he gives you an opportunity to share and do more with the resources that you have for the kingdom of God. That's important. And as you become fruitful, then all across the earth, then the body of Christ becomes fruitful. And there's more that can be done in the kingdom of God. This is key. And Paul understands this. That's why he prays it. And then he says in verse 10, increasing in the knowledge of God. Knowledge is something that you definitely can increase and you increase it by reading God's word. So this is how we pray. Father, help our sheep in the church to increase in the knowledge of God. I know that as your knowledge of God grows, your faith in God grows. Most people who don't have strong faith do not have a firm rootage of the knowledge of God in their life. But the more stories from scripture you learn, the more resources the Holy Spirit can bring to your attention and call to remembrance when you're passing through a trial. Then God can say, don't you remember that time when Elisha's servant and everybody was nervous about the adversaries? And then he said to him, there are more of us than they are of them. And he said, well, I'm looking around here. I see a whole lot of horses and chariots. But I don't know what you're talking about. Then he had to say, look up there around the hills and then God opened his eyes to see all of those that are up there in the hillsides. And when you have that story that God can bring to your remembrance, then you'll realize there's no weapon formed against me that can prosper. See, All those who rise up against me will fail. Those kinds of stories are necessary for us to accomplish the will of God, now eighty years ago if a if a full gospel pastor went into a town to preach, he already knew when he went into that town he was going to be treated like a stepchild. he knew there was not going to be a right hand of fellowship from the Presbyterians and Episcopalians and everybody else. And so many of those old preachers, I've read some of their diaries and read some of their books. They came into these little towns in the heartland, pitched a tent sometimes or with their family, had one family hosting them, had to move in and live with them, shoot squirrels and blackbirds just to try to keep body and soul together. And then and then sometimes they only had one shirt to preach in pair black Trousers, nice white shirt, preaching that shirt Sunday morning, wash it that afternoon, try to get it dry to preaching it again Sunday night. And that's how many preachers got started declaring the word of God. But they knew how to pray. They knew how to trust God. They were full of the Holy Ghost and would not allow the circumstances to intimidate them. And the reason they were never intimidated is because they had increased in the knowledge of God. Because you have to know something about God to try to take on a difficult task. Anybody that will start a new job without knowing how the job's going to work out, without knowing if there's going to be benefits attached to the job, Move to another location without knowing anybody there, but just saying, I'm going to start over and just see what God does. That person is further ahead than other people if they have the knowledge of God in their life because they have a foundation to build on. So read the Bible and pray for one another in that way. Father, let them increase in the knowledge of God. But he says, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power, and then it says unto patience and long suffering. So we want to be inwardly strong. We want to pray that you are able to move and function in the glorious power of God, but we also want you to be a person of patience, long suffering and joyfulness. Christians are not always the most patient people. Yeah, we we're, we're we're the ones that are quite pleased that we no longer have to uh wash clothes by hand. But we get mad at the washing machine if the cycle's taking too long and we got somewhere we need to be. We're quite happy that that we have a refrigerator in which we can put our meat and then we can just pull it out and cook it and prepare it and all of that, but we stand at the microwave and yell at it when it still has 10 seconds to go. Patience. We could we could use a little more patience. We certainly could use long-suffering because we we only have so many nerves and we don't mind letting people know that you've gotten on the last one. And I'm about ready to give you my two cents whether or not you want to hear them. So long-suffering is important to be a Christian and we have to pray for one another. Because it takes supernatural patience and supernatural love in order for a congregation and a church to even function, for a marriage to even function, for a family to even function, because you have to have a whole lot of space to forgive. There will always be somebody in a church that will say something you don't like, and you still have to be willing to suffer along with them. I'm sure in all the, the years and times you, you folks have heard me preach, maybe maybe once, maybe once or twice, I probably said something that probably angered you. You didn't like maybe, I I don't know, maybe I jumped on some rated R movies or something like that, or maybe I got on your line dancing or something. I don't know. I mean, I just could could, could have said anything, you know, but, but, but the thing is, you know, I love you. I know you love me. That, that's the key. And and the the relationship that is forged is, is one that is based on time and the proclamation of the word. And so I pray for you in a way that's different than I pray for people in other churches because I don't know them like I know you. And you should pray for me as a pastor in a way that's different than you pray for some others because you may not know them so well. But we do pray, according to verse 11, that we maintain our joyfulness Because the scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you lose your happiness in your service of God, then you're a short ways away from backsliding. Once you don't enjoy this anymore, you'll you turn and go in the opposite direction. I've seen many churches close because the preachers stopped enjoying what they were doing. I've seen many marriages fail because the people stopped enjoying one another. Seen a lot of people walk away from jobs because they no longer enjoyed what they were doing. Seen people move from town to town because they no longer maintained the joy that they once had when they first got there. So as a Christian, our prayer consistently is, Father, make him strong, make her strong in her relationship with you, so that she won't get weak. Because joy is joy is strength. When the adversary comes against you. He, he, can't, he can't rob you of your relationship when you're happy in that relationship. Think of it this way. You can create and you can control the atmosphere of your home and when you're in the car by the kind of music you listen to. And the kind of music you listen to can foster your joy or sometimes it can rob you of your joy. Now, I grew up... In Cleveland, Ohio, my family were not Christian. So the only time we heard Christian music or anything close to Christian music growing up, it was a Christmas time when my mom would play a Temptations Christmas album. That was it. That was, that was about all that we, I mean, they had pretty voices, had wonderful harmony, but that that that's all there was to that. Other than that, Saturday and Sunday morning, my mom opened up the front door, the side door, all the windows, and she was blasting Marvin Gaye and Al Green and a whole bunch of other people and, and so that's that's how i I was raised listening to that and then if 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 we had a bunch of people over, then they'd start in on the blues, start playing O's well, I mean you know for us i I used to always say that the blues are black folks country and western songs because in that music to me it just seems like somebody's always losing a girlfriend or a dog or something somebody stepping out on somebody having a bad you know since my baby left me i found a new place to dwell and all that kind of a that kind of thing so if 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 you feel your mind in your environment with that kind of music, what do you think your joy level is going to be like? So at some point you have to say, God, help me to find music that glorifies you but also keeps me strong. are a lot of different kinds of Christian music. But find something that's worshipful, that inspires you to love God with your whole heart. Okay, so he says then in verse 12, and here's where we'll hang our hat tonight. He says, giving thanks unto the Father, which made us worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. So part of prayer is also to be grateful to what God has given you. Now, we all probably mumble about things that we don't have. Let's praise the Lord for what we do have. Got a roof over your head, a car you can drive, and you didn't spend the night in the hospital last night. Gotta be praising God for that, because when you drive home this evening, there's still family members sitting in hospitals all across this world. They're praying and hoping somebody make it through the night. So giving thanks unto God, Father, I thank you that I have people we can worship with. Father, I thank you that I have people to minister the word to me. Father, I thank you. I have people that are friends, people that call me and look after me. Father, I thank you that there are people that have picked me up and take me to church or take me out to eat or whatever it might be. Be grateful. This is part of our prayer life. The Lord, having redeemed us, he wants us to understand the significance of this because we've received an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Prayer changes things, and we should know that. Watchman Nee wrote a very good book years ago called Sit, Walk, Stand. And it was about the book of Ephesians. And Watchman Nee was a a, a Chinese pastor, uh, lived back 70, 80 years ago. And in that book, he, he he's ta- the reason it's called Sit, Walk, Stand, because he's talking about how we're seated in heavenly places and how he talks about we should walk worthy of our vocation. And then stand, as the Bible says, stand ye therefore. So he put on the whole armor. So it's about those three things. But he has a story in that where the, the group of churches he began were called the Little Flock Fellowship. It had thousands of people in these underground churches. And he tells about going to one of the islands in the South China Sea to minister there, and when he got there, the people were so superstitious, they worshiped a god called Tawang. That was a Chinese deity that folks at that time thought was a real god, and they had a festival for this god, and they said that no matter what day we held the festival for this god, it would always be sunny because this god controlled everything. So Watchman, he had a little 16-year-old with him who had gotten saved, and he was zealous, and and, uh, Watchman was away preaching on a mission and on that island that little 16 year old said my god's going to challenge your god right now said you say that it's always sunny on that day you have that festival said i promise you on that day when you have that festival this year it's going to be raining and our god is going to make sure that it rains well sure enough i mean they preached for several days came time for the festival and that's exactly what happened started with a drizzle then it came a torrential downpour. So the elders of the, the village got together and started working some divination. And they said, no, 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 we, we reconfigured the day. And the festival should be on this day. It's going to be sunny on this day. And so Watchman nee and the rest of them got together and they prayed again. And on the second time, torrential downpour again. And so that, that island, little by little, Started turning to the Lord Jesus Christ, one convert after another, because somebody believed if you prayed and asked God to do something with the weather, he'd get involved. Folks, don't ever think that God's not interested in you. He he cares about all of this that goes on down here. And, And we forget sometimes that when we're praying for sunshine, somebody else is praying for rain. When we're praying for rain, somebody is praying for something else. I had a, used to have a man deliver the mail in Hastings, Nebraska, and he went to the church in Red Cloud. And I'll never forget one time we had Sunday morning service, and the farmers were all sitting in there, and the farmers were all. I said prayer because anybody have anything we need to pray for? And and uh, the farmers, they were all saying, "Well, we need rain, Pastor, and we and, and and we need some some snow or something to bring some moisture or something like that." So every all of them were saying that, and then after. After the service, uh, my, my friend, he got, Doug was his name, he got real close to me. He said, Pastor, now I'm going to tell you right now, I'm out there walking in those elements every day. I don't care what them farmers want. I don't want no snow around here, and I'm praying against it that's, that's what he told me. I said, well, Doug, we're going to believe God keeps a ray of sunlight on every path that you're on, but we'll ask, let the let let snow or rain in all these other places. So you have to believe that God will answer prayer. And he will, and he does let let's do this tonight, several things I want to pray for, but let's stand and and you just agree with me as we pray, just a number of things on my heart in this this final Sunday night talking about prayer, but we're going to begin praying. For young people and then I'm just going to go in a different direction praying a lot of different subjects. But Father, right now we want to pray for children all over this earth. Many of them, oh God, have been abducted, taken captive. Many of them are in bad, harmful situations and they're praying, Lord, for deliverance. We ask you to help them, oh God. Father, we want to remember all of those who are educators and work in our school systems. Every day they stand before those little ones, and we pray, God, that you would turn more and more of their hearts toward your son, Jesus Christ. We pray for those that are homeschooled all across this nation, moms and dads and others are going out of their way to raise their kids in the fear and admonition of the word. I pray, oh God, you give them the ability to put together a curriculum, oh God, that will create citizens that are holy, and righteous. We pray, God, for our health care workers. So many individuals that are doctors and nurses in these hospitals, and they're having to deal with a variety of different illnesses and diseases, some known, some unknown. But God, we pray that you keep them strong, keep them healthy, so that as they do their jobs, Lord, they'd be able to continue to come out to the house of God and worship you. We pray for our diplomats all across this world, those that are in embassies, Lord, in consulates and legations. We pray, God, as they, as they act on behalf of this nation, but they also would come to know you as their savior and also become an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. That, Lord, wherever they go, they would be a representative of the kingdom. For orphan kids, Lord, without a parent. You said in your word that when mothers and fathers forsake the little ones, that you would take them up. So we stand in the gap for those that are in foster care and those, Lord, that are in group homes all across this nation. And we pray, God, that you would enlarge the hearts of thousands of people who desire to look after these kids. We pray, Lord, right now for those that are unborn, those that are yet in the womb of some woman, and Father, we know that the state of New York just recently passed a law in which they said that a baby could be aborted right up to the day before it's born. And Father, we ask you right now, put that thing in reverse. Let, it be, let there be an outcry against that. We stand against what the adversary is doing in targeting these unborn children. <clears throat> so Father, we contend for life. And we thank you for your power. We thank you for your anointing. Lord, we pray for young ladies that are caught up in uh, the, 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 uh, the, the scheme where they're sold into sex service, oh God. So many of them are praying for deliverance from that. And right now on my heart are my friends that are involved with that on the West Coast, trying to reach young ladies and deliver them and save them out of that. Father, I pray that you reveal where it's taking place and we ask you to let lives be changed. We pray for our agricultural workers. Let them be safe, God. Let them labor without any, any hurt, harm, or danger in the ones that we pastor, the ones in our churches, God. Keep them from losing any kind of, any kind of limb on their body. Keep them from disfigurement of any kind. Put a hedge of protection around them, Lord, and may they be prosperous in all that they do. We pray for our military folks that are serving you around the world. For those that are up in the air as well as those that are on the ground and those that are in the depths of the ocean, O God, in submarines, preserve them, O God. Let there be chaplains to preach the gospel to them, to encourage them. We pray, Lord, that folks would be saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, that lives would be changed, people would be healed. We pray that revival would break out in the Air Force, in the Coast Guard, and in the Army, in the Navy, in the Marine Corps, Lord. We pray for law enforcement. We ask you, God. Help our sheriffs and our police officials. Help our lawyers and our judges, those that sit on the bench. We pray, God, your will would be done in so many of these situations. But help them to bow their knees at the foot of an old rugged cross, coming to know who you are, Lord. We pray, God, for our politicians, from the president down to the aldermen in the smallest community. We pray, God, that they themselves would be involved with legislation that would magnify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Father, turn this nation from sin toward righteousness. Raise up out of our churches young people that would have a desire to carry Jesus into the political realm, where you could give them favor and influence in the state Congress, as well as up there on Capitol Hill. And Father, we're going to be careful to love you, to praise you, and to thank you in the matchless name of Jesus. Let's just take a few moments and just worship him. Oh God, there's no one like you in all of the earth.